Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I am a yoga teacher with many years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to show you how to get confident, speak clearly, feel authentic, grow your impact, earn your worth, and build a community. For years, I've been working with teachers in my signature program, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program, and I've seen so many teachers transform, and I can help you get there too. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, don't forget to also follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello to you. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 219. So I am recording this episode on Thursday, December 22nd, 2022, and this will go live the day after Christmas, um, which is 1226, uh, 2022. And that means this is officially our last episode of the year. And... If you have been following along, I have posted an episode every single Monday for the entire year. This is uh, the second year, maybe the third year I've posted every single Monday, definitely this year, definitely last year, and maybe even into the year before. Uh, So I'm feeling like that's a huge accomplishment. And if you've listened to a handful of episodes, you've been along with me for the ride. So I wanted to say thank you so much for being part of this process, this conversation, this very long conversation. And today, what I'm going to do is really reflect back on the year's episodes and share some of the common themes that came up. Uh, highlight some of the guests, especially if you've missed some of the episodes that I've had the honor and privilege to interview, and then take a look ahead at the year coming up. And then lastly, just cover a quick anatomy theme and teaching theme. So this is really a full recap slash agenda for our conversation here today. And I wanted to start out by saying happy holidays and happy new year to you, whatever you celebrate, however you celebrate, I just want to wish you the best this holiday season. I know that um, this time of year can be challenging, certainly for people, and not only potentially you, people in your family, people in your community, people in the country, people in the world. And so there's always kind of different shades or different sides to the holiday season. And I do hope whatever is going on with you and your family, that you do find some time to be grateful, to enjoy each other's company, and to uh, relax and smile and hug and just be with one another. So having said that, where to begin? So um, I took a look back at the 
um, podcast for the past year and the episode list. And this is definitely something you can do as I go through the topics we've covered. If this jogs your memory and you want to go back and re-listen or you missed a particular episode and you want to hear more about that, this is a great way to just scroll back in some of these, uh, scroll back in the past year of episodes. And you can, of course, pull up uh, the episode that I'm referring to. So in this year, I had the opportunity to interview over... 20 guests. I think there's probably about just about 20 people, including a fellow yoga teacher and martial arts teacher, uh, Lauren Zerhock. She is in uh, Germany and she talked a lot about trauma and trauma-informed yoga. So that was a really cool episode. I also interviewed Dr. Emily Spleichel and she is a specialist in uh, foot mechanics and um, application of foot anatomy to teaching. So that's a really good one. I had an opportunity to interview colleague Angela Wagner. She is a fellow yoga teacher based out of Dallas, and we covered a lot of themes because she's also a personal coach. I talked to Jaden Schaefer, who is the founder and CEO of Self Pause, which is a mindfulness app. If you're not um, if you don't have that downloaded on your phone, the free version, definitely do that. We talked a lot about mindfulness uh, in that episode. I also spoke to one of my favorite colleague yoga teachers, Allison Chamberlain Jones. She is a manifestation coach and she has kind of a specialty in money mindset. So we talked a lot about money and our feelings about money and how our beliefs can hold us back from bringing more money into our life. I love having conversations like that. I also talked to Kayleen Canaveri, who is the founder of a company that creates Pilates reformers. So we talked about not only being an entrepreneur, starting a company, but Pilates in general. I talked to my dear friend, Amy Sullivan, who just got her um, master's in counseling, I believe is the title. And we talked a lot about yoga. We also talked about um, different um, mindset themes, trauma. We talked about languaging. We had a pretty intense conversation. So that's a good one too. I talked to my fellow entrepreneurial friend, Caitlin Webb. She has a specialty in money management. So that's a really good one, especially this time of year to listen to because we talked a lot about themes about money, a little less from the manifestation side that I covered with Allison Chamberlain Jones, and really more from the perspective of someone who is a money coach uh, and works a lot with personal finance. I talked to my longtime friend, Rachel Pajednik, who has so many qualifications, I can't even go into them all here. Um, she has uh, a new study she's managing. Uh, she is in, uh, she is a college professor of, I believe, exercise physiology, just a wealth of knowledge about the body. So that's a great one. And then I had a chance to interview one of the teachers who graduated from my program, Mindy Horgan, and asked her not only how the program helped transform her teaching, but what's going on with her teaching right now. Uh, I talked to vocal coach Catherine Beck. That's a really good one about how your voice is such an important tool as a yoga teacher. I talked to coach 
yoga coach, Joanne Sapir. And Joanne is, uh, Joanna, sorry, excuse me. Joanna is an excellent coach for yoga teachers to work with as they develop their business. I then had two different episodes, again, connecting with teachers who graduated from my program and hearing uh, just how they feel so different as a result of working with me in the program and what they're up to going forward. That was Francisca Ruff and Crystal Hoyos and all the good work that they're doing and they look forward to doing in their teaching career. And then the last handful of people, Allison Ray Jirasi, who is, she's just got a super interesting approach to teaching. I encourage you to look her up on Instagram. Libby Hinsley, who specializes as a yoga teacher and a physical therapist in working with people with hypermobility. Lisa Marie Rankin, who has her book about goddesses. And she took us on a deep dive into all these different goddesses in history and what they stand for. And then we wrapped up the year with a recent guest, Dr. Trish Corley, who is also a yoga teacher and physical therapist. And we had a very spirited conversation about uh, different themes and teaching, and we looked at them through the lens of anatomy. So those were all the guests for the year. In terms of different themes that we covered, lots of themes that I covered in my solo episodes, things like making things easy. How can we make things less effortful for us as teachers? Of course, the two most popular subjects for yoga teachers that I've found cues, how to give effective cues, and how to easily build sequences. I talked about motivation, working with a coach, preparing for class, ways to distinguish yourself as a yoga teacher, how to create a product. So if you want to create something and sell it like a book or a course, something along those lines. I talked about the concept of transforming as a yoga teacher. It's kind of an overused word. However, that's what so many teachers tell me they want to do. They want to get from point A to point B. So remember, to get anywhere different from where you are right now, you are transforming. You want to transform. You want to shift. You want to change. And so transformation is such a central theme for teachers. I talked about uh, teaching tips, different themes for class. I talked about different ways to build connection with your students. I had a special episode just for new teachers. I talked about both CEU planning, continuing education, as well as building a career as a teacher. I had two episodes on tips for teaching online, an episode or two on mindset. I shared a number of stories from the field in my past 18 years of teaching, things that have come up. I talked about the cost of an action. The cost of an action is such an important topic because so many of the teachers I speak with, and I don't know if you are one of them or if you're someone who this will resonate with, they want to make a change. They know it in their logical mind. And at the same time, they're not doing what needs to happen to make that change. And there's always a cost to that. There's always a cost to that cost in, in terms of your time, your energy, your effort. It could be money. We could boil it down to money. So I just want you to keep in mind as we head into the new year, I bet you know some things that you'd like to improve upon. You'd like to change uh, when it comes to your teaching path. And if you put that off, 
there is always a cost to that. And I know I certainly get into these kinds of conversations when I talk to teachers about my program and they're considering enrolling and they start to hesitate um, about making the investment. And that's oftentimes where the conversation then goes. I'll say, well, what's the cost to you of staying exactly as you are right now? And when they start to realize the cost of doing nothing except what they are currently doing, they are jumping at the chance to invest in themselves and enroll in the program because they realize that monetary amount is way less, uh, not only less than some other programs they've heard about, but also less than the cost of doing nothing. So there is a cost to an action. Please, please keep that in mind. Um, I then talked about being of service and I talked about another topic that is always a hot topic for teachers and that has to do with confidence. How do I get more confident? How, I, how do I build more confidence? And then we talked, I talked about a, a number of anatomy themes, upper body muscles, nervous system uh, term terminology. I had one episode, which was an anatomy quiz. You can go back and take that. I had an episode about uh, sacral anatomy and positioning of the sacrum, muscle rolls, and then something else that I wrote here in my notes that I cannot uh, read my own scribble. <laughs> so a lot, you can see, there were really kind of three buckets this year. There was the guest bucket, there was the teacher topic bucket, and then there was the anatomy bucket. So this is what I mean when I call this, when I call this uh, podcast Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I always wanted, from the first episode I did, I always wanted this to feel like and sound like a time when you would sit down with another teacher and talk, you know, over tea in a coffee shop, you know, that kind of whole vibe. And you can see as I review what we've covered, what I've covered this year, what I've presented to you, the listener this year, it feels very much and it sounds very much like topics that teachers talk about. So I hope that that's been conveyed as whether you've listened to one episode or a whole bunch. And I also invite you to send me a DM on Instagram and let me know what topics you would like to see covered. So always, always know that that door is open. So as we look ahead into 2023, I want to ask you a series of inquiry questions and I'm doing this intentionally and specifically to get your thought process going. You know, one of my business mentors, James Wedmore, he has a saying that he repeats over and over again. And it's something like um, something having to do with when you don't have the answer to a problem, ask a better question, uh, something along those lines. And the, the point being that oftentimes when we're in a particular state of being where we feel stuck or we feel like there's a problem or we feel like we're not moving forward in the way that we want, rather than doing what I think is the least helpful, which is continually repeating how stuck we are and how overwhelmed we are and how things aren't working out and all of that, just start asking yourself better questions or just start asking yourself a question like, how can I shift? How can I change? What's needed here that doesn't exist right now. I mean, just the embodiment that comes with asking a question shows that shows you and shows the universe, or you can even take the universe out of it. It just proves to yourself that you're in a state of inquiry 
And when you're in a state of inquiry, it means that you're open to change. You're open to trying new things. You're open to doing things differently. It's when we say I'm stuck, I'm overwhelmed. I mean, just as an aside, I'm currently in a mastermind with a bunch of entrepreneurs and we all are paying really good money. We have invested in ourselves significantly to be invited and accepted in this group. And it's amazing to me, the limiting language that I hear when I get on our calls. And these are entrepreneurs who are investing in themselves to do amazing things. And it's like, people, we, we should not be using those terms. Stop calling yourself that. I'm a blah, blah, blah. I've never been able to yada, yada. Like, I know I have talked about this on different episodes and I beg you, if you ever hear yourself speaking about yourself out loud to other people in a derogatory way, just stop doing that. Just stop doing that. I don't even use the word, but anymore. I'd love to do this, but blah, blah, blah. I don't even use it because as soon as you hear the word, but it is like a harsh slap in the face. It cuts the energy. So there is a lot around this. And I promise you, friend, if you simply stop verbalizing phrases and self-characterizations that are negative towards yourself, your whole energy around yourself will slowly start to shift, if not immediately. And then the next step is working on all the things that we say that are negative about ourselves that we don't verbalize, but you can damn well believe we're saying them because we say them to ourselves. That time we wake up in the morning and we look in the mirror and we go, oh, I don't like the way I look, that kind of stuff. So that's another piece of it. Start out though with the verbal piece. So back to the questions. So I'm just going to ask you a series of questions and you can always write these down if you have a journal nearby. These are really good questions to ask yourself. And the, and the whole idea is we're looking ahead into next year. Number one, what's your biggest challenge? Number two, what's holding you back from being the best teacher you can be? The next one, what worries you the most when it comes to your teaching? Like one of the things that I hear a lot is I'm worried people are going to get hurt in my class. It might be I'm worried people aren't going to show up to my class. I'm worried that I'm not going to have consistent attendance. I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to build my teaching schedule. Anything that comes up for you, what worries you the most? The next one, what's the most impact on your time? What's taking the most out of your time when it comes to teaching? An example of that might be you have this class that it's taking you three hours back and three hours from start to finish to do it. Matter of fact, I had someone contact me recently with a teaching opportunity for children. And initially I was really excited about the opportunity. And then when I mapped out the amount of time it was gonna take against the revenue, it was not worth it. And so I declined. And that's definitely an evaluation you should always do. It doesn't mean you're not going to take the job. You might have other reasons for taking it. It still is something that you should look at. Um, the, so the next question, set of questions. So, so those questions I just asked you, what's your biggest challenge? 
what's holding you back from being the best teacher you can be, what worries you the most, and what's making the most impact on your time. Those are all framed from the perspective of kind of glass being half full, not necessarily in a derogatory sort of way, but it's sort of looking at things from the challenge end of the continuum. So the next thing I'm going to do is ask you a number of questions that's more from the upside framework, more from the upside mindset. So the first one is, who do you want to help and how? And along with that, can you do that right now? Who do you want to help and how? And can you do that right now? The next question, what's something you want that you don't have now? Think about this in the framework of your teaching. What's something you want that you don't have now? This could be a skill. I really want to be able to stop practicing with my class. I really want to be able to assist students better. I really want to be able to cue more effectively, right? So what's something you want that you don't have now? And then the partnered question to that is, what's stopping you from getting it? What's stopping you from getting it? The next question, how do you want to show up that you're not showing up now? And what do you need to show up like that, right? I want to show up more confidently as a teacher. I want to show up as an expert and F this imposter syndrome mindset, right? So what, how do you want to show up that you're not showing up now? And what do you need in order to show up like that? So those are the inquiry questions, and I'd highly encourage you to journal them out. Now, the next two things I'm going to mention are two things that I am in the thick of doing, and I would definitely recommend you do this. Uh, at the beginning of last year, right around the first, really, I took a big piece of whiteboard paper, pasted it on my office wall, and wrote a manifestation list. And... I don't want to necessarily say I've achieved everything on that list. However, I have achieved a number of things, including one of the things I wrote, and this is a cool story. One of the things I wrote was that I wanted to be a guest on my favorite podcast, which uh, some of you may know is the Rich Roll podcast. And Rich has, I mean, he is an avid practitioner of yoga. However, that's not the focus of his podcast. He has uh, a podcast that's really focused on um, uh, nutrition and health and the environment and just all these different themes. It's really an educational podcast that covers a whole variety of different topics. And I have just always wanted to be a guest on that show. And I didn't know how, and I didn't know when. And even though I have actually have a fr I, I actually have a friend whose brother is good friends with a recurring guest on his show. And I was sort of thinking of using that connection to inquire. I just, you know, in my mind's mind, I kind of discounted it. I said, oh, there'd be no reason he'd want to interview me. And truth be told, I did not get interviewed on his show this year. So I didn't literally get that on my manifestation list done. However, at the end of every year, he does ask uh, listeners to call in to the special voicemail and leave a three minute message about how the podcast has impacted them. And every year I listen to this episode and I literally cry because his listener community is filled with such inspiring people and uh, people who are going through a lot of trauma. And a lot of his experts that come on the show speak to trauma in general 
And also he's had guests on who have undergone a lot of physical trauma. So he has a lot of people in his listener community that have experienced that. So when you, when I listened to this episode this year, I was like bawling. Some of the stories of these people, just unbelievable. And so it's just bumper to bumper voicemail messages that his producer splices together. And that's the episode. So when I listened to the episode on Monday, with just two minutes left, I was on the show. He took a splice, a slice of my voicemail, and I was the second to last uh, audio uh, snippet that he played. And I remember I was driving to the mall and I heard my own voice on his podcast and I just died. I thought, I did it. I, I master. I manifested myself on the ritual podcast. It wasn't exactly as I wanted it to happen. However, it still checked the box. And I just bring that story up because number one, I think it's kind of a cool story. And number two, I'm bringing it up because I want you to do this. Make a manifestation list today. And it doesn't matter when you're listening to this episode. Of course, it's lovely and really the best thing, I think, to um, jump on the energy of 1-1, the positive energy of 1-1, and do it as near to that date as possible. It doesn't matter, though. Do it sometime. Um, And especially if you're listening to this episode on or around January 1st, do it. Make a manifestation list. So I am right now, I have my 2023 one hanging on the wall, and I'm starting to just brainstorm ideas for there. And the other thing I'm doing, which I actually picked up from somebody on TikTok, is I am writing a letter to, I'm writing a letter and dating it, um, dating it December 31st, 2023. And I'm writing it as if it's a journal entry that I'm writing on that date, which of course would be this time next year, the end of next year. And I'm writing it as a journal entry as it to and and documenting all the amazing things that have happened to me in this calendar year. And I'm actually typing it on a typewriter because I don't know if I mentioned this, one of the things on my manifestation list was I wanted to get an old-fashioned typewriter. Well, that's a kind of a uh what's the word? It's kind of a um double it's like saying the same thing because all typewriters are old-fashioned, but I did find a really wonderful older couple up the street just like two months ago, and they sold me their typewriter. And so I'm actually typing this out. It's the coolest thing ever. I would highly recommend if you like to write, get yourself a typewriter. It's just such a cool part of the experience. So anyway, so I'm typing this letter, I'm typing this journal entry as if it's December 31st, 2023. And I'm really having a blast doing it. And the idea is you start to get yourself in the mindset of of these things have happened. And this is the way you start to get the positive energy flowing. You start to get the manifestation juices going. And even if you hear the word manifestation and it really irks you, just think of it as project planning. I mean, because ultimately that's what it is. When you put something on a manifestation list, it really is a call to action for you to get going to make shit happen. And I was a project manager in corporate for a number of years. I managed software teams. I worked directly with CEOs and COOs and built out project plans within corporations to get shit done. And 
that is something that I'm really good at. And so this just comes really natural to me. And I like to take the spiritual slant on it and make it a manifestation list. Really, it's a project plan. So if you're more that kind of type A kind of um, objective look at things, call it a project plan. Just do it. Write this letter. I'm going to take mine. And when this whole thing is written, I'm going to put it in the drawer where I have like my pajamas and, you know, things that I go to every day. And that way I'll see it every day. And as the year goes on, I can pick it up and reread it. I just think this is the best thing ever. So go do that. <laughs> uh, okay. So a couple more things. So one thing I wanted to talk about is uh, a teaching theme and this has to do with cues and the reason i'm talking about this is because i just posted something on instagram about cueing that i got a lot of responses on so i know i hit a nerve and the way i worded the post it was something to the effect of the effectiveness of your cues can make or break your class and i went on in the caption to basically say you know there are so many students who go to classes and i'll bet they liked the class, but they didn't understand half of what the teacher was trying to say. And this can happen for so many different reasons. And I think in the in the post, I said, if you would like more information about cues, respond back cues or write in the comments section or comment below cues. And I got a number of teachers who did. So I know that you're out there and you're probably looking for better ways to share cues. And if that's you, you're definitely with a large group of teachers. And it really speaks to the fact that the industry is not doing a good job in giving teachers strategies for queuing. And so I want you to kind of just think about one aspect of queuing. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to give you an opportunity to connect with me one-on-one -on -one so that I can help you even further. For this part of the podcast, though, I'm going to speak to one aspect. And that is something that I say over and over and over again, and that I have offered teachers as a strategy that has just completely shifted their queuing in a different direction, a better direction, and it's shifted how they feel about themselves. They feel so much more positive and confident. And that's the following. Only use action cues. Only use action cues. Do not use anatomy cues. Do not use feeling-based cues. Do not cue to the breath. Do not cue alignment. Only use action cues. Just tell people what you want them to do. Quite frankly, don't even say the name of the pose. Just tell them what you want them to do. If I'm standing on one end of the mat and you want me to get to the top of the mat, you're just going to say to me, step to the top of your mat. If my feet are apart and you want them together, you're going to say, step your feet together. If my arms are by my side and you want to get them up, you're going to say, reach your arms up. If I'm standing up and you want me to, fold, uh, to touch my toes, you're going to say, forward fold. If my feet are together and you want one foot behind, you're going to say, step the right foot back. Do you see how crystal clear that is? I can see you nodding your head, yes, right? And what does this approach do? What this approach does is it makes it crystal clear to your student and it's way less effort for you from a brain power perspective to say action cues. And so when you have a cue strategy, a cueing strategy that's less effort for you, guess what? That means you have more energy, right? It's taking less effort for you to share these cues. You have more energy. 
And from your student's perspective, the most important perspective in the dynamic of teacher and student, from your student's perspective, they're gonna know what you want them to do. So this is the gold, my friend. This is the gold. All of the stuff that you've been told before, all of these other things that you think you need to say, all of this inhale, lift the right leg, exhale, step forward is baloney. You don't need any of that. The heart of the matter is to give people exactly what you want them to do. And until you can seamlessly share anatomy in your cues, you really should hold back on saying anything along the lines of engage this or squeeze this or contract this or we're using this muscle insert name here just leave it all of that will come when you are ready meaning when you understand the fundamentals of anatomy which so many teachers don't and yet they're still out there spouting anatomy-based cues just don't do that because that's where the lack of confidence begins. And it's like a virus, it seeps into how you are. And now you start to feel really a lack of confidence. And the connection is you're sharing cues that you don't understand. And so the quick fix is stop doing that and simply share action cues, which I know you know. Now, having said that, sharing action cues isn't easy because especially if you're a teacher who's been adding all these other word, words to your cueing, it's going to feel different to just share action cues. Also, even though you know what to do to get the person in the pose, because you know, obviously, what an up dog looks like, what a down dog looks like, the ability to cue in succinct action cues is a high level skill. It is a high level skill. It's not necessarily, um, I don't want to, I really don't want to say it's not an easy thing to do because that's the negative frame. I just want you to appreciate that it is a real skill. When you go to a class and the teacher is using just action cues, which honestly, not many people do. The majority of yoga classes, there's way too much talking, way too many words. So much stuff students aren't even hearing you say because it's just going on too long. So that's that's the big theme for for uh, for today is cues, and it's the most popular theme I think that I've seen consistently throughout this year of conversations I've had with yoga teachers, uh, live ones. Uh, and then an anatomy theme is for today that I want to speak to is the rotator cuff. I want to be sure that you have a crystal clear understanding of the muscles of the rotator cuff because they're in the shoulder and because obviously so much of what we do in yoga is shoulder mobility related. I can definitely speak to this because right now I have a total disaster of my left shoulder because I stopped running outside once it got cold, like around the beginning of November, and I started doing all indoor workouts, which basically are HIIT, cardio, and weights. And so I'm doing a lot of stuff like burpee type stuff and lifting weights and everything. And I've tweaked uh, my not necessarily my rotator cuff, it's more in the traps, levator scapula area, scalenes, um, it's really uncomfortable. And so 
I'm now leveraging my understanding and knowledge of anatomy to self, uh, to, to rehab myself. And this is, of course, outside the scope of what we would do as yoga teachers. However, I want you to have a really good comfort level with the muscles of the rotator cuff and what they do and what they're called, because so many of your students are going to have issues with the rotator cuff. And so many of the cues you're going to share when you are ready to share anatomy-based cueing are going to speak to muscles in the rotator cuff. So in the next like three minutes, I'm going to give you just a crash course in rotator cuff muscle anatomy, shoulder anatomy. So you have four muscles of the rotator cuff. The acronym that you remember them with is SITS, S-I-T-S. So it's supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor, and subscapularis. And I want you to just notice, you should be able to rattle this shit off just like I am doing. It should take no energy, no brain power. This is the kind of stuff that you should know as a teacher. And I sort of hate to use the word should because I sound like, like I don't know, it, it sounds negative. It's just that it's really, really important. This is not the kind of stuff that you can fake knowing. And it is so important to being an effective teacher that you know it. Matter of fact, I talked to a teacher the other day who specializes in anatomy and she told me she doesn't think it's important for teachers to know the names of the muscles. And I was like, holy shit, are you kidding me? <laughs> yes, it is freaking important. You need to know this information to be a good teacher. You know, all those things, I'm afraid people are going to get hurt. I don't know what to say when I'm queuing. I don't know how to help people when they ask me questions after class. I don't know how to build sequences. The underlying theme for all of that is discovering and knowing and realizing the key aspects of anatomy. And this falls right into that. So I'm asking you to be honest with yourself right now. If you're hearing this primer, this three minute primer on the rotator cuff, and you're feeling like, oh, I just don't know this, that's your sign, my friend. That is your sign that on your list for next year, the top thing, you know, those inquiry questions I ask you is, the top thing is to, to discover, to master these fundamental themes of anatomy. And of course, I can do that with you. I can help you there. So you don't need to look around. You can, of course, look around and I encourage you to do that. I'm just saying, I have the program that can easily walk you through it. Okay, so back to rotator cuff. So sits, supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor, subscapularis. Supraspinatus is on the superior aspect of the shoulder. It's responsible for abduction. The infraspinatus and the teres minor on the posterior shoulder capsule, they collaborate, they're synergists, and they're responsible for external rotation. And then the subscapularis is on the front of the shoulder, um, right inside the scapula and it's responsible for internal rotation. So when your students come up to you and they say, I tore my rotator cuff, your best question is what muscle? Now, of course, don't ask that if you don't know the muscles, because then it's not going to make a difference what they say to you. However, if you know the muscles and they tell you what muscle they tore or muscles that they tore, you will then have a better understanding of what uh, mobility issues they have. Now, I always say the general rule of thumb when a student tells you they have an injury is to ask them, how does it affect your movement? And you're still going to ask that question when it comes to the shoulder. It's just that having that additional information about 
what muscles are involved in the tear is going to give you even more information that of course will be helpful if you understand anatomy. So your, your guide to the muscles of the rotator cuff is that acronym SITS. And keep in mind, you know, in movements like Warrior Two, where the shoulders are in abduction, you're using supraspinatus. In poses like um, Up Dog and Downward Dog and Plank and Low Plank, even though the palms are supinate, uh, palms are pronated facing the floor, you're still trying to create some external rotation. So you still want your students to use the external rotators like Terry's Minor and uh, um, Infraspinatus. And then as far as the subscapularis, that's an internal rotator. So you're not really, we're really not using a lot or there aren't a lot of postures where we are intentionally asking people to internally rotate. So that's not a muscle that gets a lot of play. However, when you have people do archer arms, there is one shoulder in internal rotation. It's the one that's below. And then when you switch sides, you get the other one. So also thread the needle, also child's pose. So there are a couple of postures where, where you will see internal rotation. It's just, there aren't a lot of active postures where we're having people intentionally internally rotate. Now that doesn't mean they won't be, because as you know, all of these front facing things we do, like drive the car, type on the computer, puts us into internal rotation. So that oftentimes means subscapularis is a little bit more contracted and tightened than the external rotators, which tend to be weak. And those are definitely muscles in the posterior chain where we need our students to have strength to counteract that tendency to internally rotate. So in wrapping this part of the conversation up, if all of what I just said in the last three minutes was like gobbledygook, that is another sign that anatomy is a learning gap for you. And it will transform your teaching when you, not if, when you fill in that learning gap. So take some steps, certainly contact me and I can help you fill that learning gap. So in wrapping up this episode here, I want to give you um, just an opportunity here, kind of a call to action. You can take it, you can leave it, you can consider it. You know, you have obviously many options. You have agency over what you do. Because I know that cues is such a hot topic for, um, for teachers, I am opening up five slots for five free coaching calls with teachers. These are just 15 minute coaching calls where I am going to share with you the framework that I teach inside my program around queuing. So this is something that when you invest in my program, you will get. I am going to carve this piece out and give it to you for free. So I'm looking for five teachers, five yoga teachers who are interested in doing a 15 minute coaching call with me where I will share with you my proprietary, which is meaning my own, um, strategy, framework, approach to queuing. This is something I teach inside my program. It's something I've taught to all the teachers who've graduated from my program and they love it. They say that it has completely transformed the way they approach queuing and make May, helped them to feel much more confident when they when they uh, teach. So if you would like one of these five slots, send me a DM on Instagram and let me know, 
or send me an email. And you've got until the end of January to take me up on this offer. So with that, we are going to end this episode. I wish you all the best in 2023. I wish you all the things, all the fun, all the joy, all the love, all the success, all the health. And I will talk to you on the other side of 2022 in our next episode in the new calendar year. So thank you so much for being a listener, whether it's one episode or a hundred episodes or 200 episodes, we're at what, 219 now. And I will see you in the new year on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode. And thank you so much for being part of my community and for spending some time with me here on the show. I wanted to wrap up this episode with just a quick note. I have a brand new recorded workshop page, and I'm really excited to offer you an opportunity to watch recorded workshops whenever you want. I have the first installment of a workshop on the page on the website, and it is a short workshop all about how to give effective cues. And so all you need to do to watch this free workshop is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you'll see the listing in the dropdown for recorded workshops. When you click that page, you'll see on that page, the link to sign up to watch that recorded workshop. I'll be adding more workshops in the future to this page. And it's a way that you can access educational and growth information for teachers without having to make a workshop at a particular time. I love to get together with teachers live, both in person and of course online, which is where I'm doing most of my interaction with teachers right now. However, I appreciate that sometimes people can't make a workshop or the time doesn't work for them or they're in a different time zone. So I want you to know that this page can be a resource for you so that as you're out there and you have questions about different things, or you have maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes that you wanna to devote to your continuing education as a teacher, you can just go to my website, pull up this recorded workshops page, and there will be resources there for you to take a look at. And all of the workshops that I share are all designed at number one, giving you information, and number two, giving you the skills that come from getting that information. It doesn't do you any good if I'm just giving you information on anatomy. If I don't show you how you can use it in your teaching to grow as a teacher, to grow your impact, then it's really not very useful. So all my workshops will have that dual focus sharing a little bit, and then showing you how to apply it. So I hope you'll check that out. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely let me know. Just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and I look forward to hearing from you. Namaste.